It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. Steve Kelly along with Lauren Tate on a busy Saturday morning and a lot of stuff going on to talk about. We'll let you know what uh, we've got planned as we move along. The NCAA Gymnastics National Championships are in Champaign-Urbana at the uh, State Farm Center. The Illini made the uh, final six They'll be uh, vying for a national championship later on tonight at the State Farm Center. Justin Spring, the Illini coach, will join us in about 15 minutes or so to kind of recap yesterday's action and tell us what's ahead as uh, the Illini, one of five other teams, trying to knock off four-time defending national champion Oklahoma. That'll be interesting at the State Farm Center. Lauren was over there last night for a little bit. We'll talk about that as well. At uh, 9.30, Edgy Tim O'Halloran. From NBCSports.com in Chicago, we'll talk football recruiting, high school football recruiting, how Lovey Smith and his staff might be doing in the state of Illinois. Will Leach also scheduled to be with us this morning. He'll be uh, with us here in the studio coming up in the second hour of the show. And plenty of time for your calls as well. 356-9397 is the number. Mr. Tate, how you doing? Doing well. A lot of stuff, huh? A lot of stuff. Baseball yesterday, the Cubs beat Arizona 5-1. to one. The Cubs are back at 500 now, 9-9. Nine and nine. They've won four in a row, and they're getting some great starting pitching. Great starting pitching, and it looks like the kind of pitching that might hold up. I mean, you would think, because these are veteran star pitchers who are pitching at their potential, and uh, I thought Hamels was particularly good. Quintana was really good the other day, and now, you know, the Cubs are going to they're, they're gonna make a move. Yep, uh, Hendricks struck out 11 in that ball game yesterday. The White Sox won their game 7-3. to The Mets beat the Cardinals 5-4 to at the Bush Stadium last night. The Cardinals are now 10-9. and And Milwaukee, when they're not playing the Cardinals, aren't beating everybody. <laughs> the Dodgers got them again last night, they huh? They did. 5-3 to was the final. Milwaukee 12-8 and on the season, and all of a sudden Pittsburgh is in first place in the National League Central. Well, the Cardinals are trying to set their their uh, rotation, and uh, the same the rotation that they started the season with may not be the same. Uh, biggest news for me last night was that Reyes is ready to throw fifty pitches today for Memphis. Is now going to be a starting pitcher, and of course you got uh, uh, others that are on the. You know, I, I think there's going to be some changes in that rotation pretty fast, and um, I'm not sure that Hudson will make it, and I'm not sure that Wainwright will make it. It'll be interesting to see. Wayno still got that great curveball, but when you know it's coming, the guys are kind of sitting on it, and if you hang one of those, you're in trouble. Yeah, and the problem has always been with Wainwright recently is he can't throw the fastball over the plate and get away with it. I mean, every every pitcher, you can't throw every pitch exactly where you want to, and, and uh, if you miss over the plate, 
which is, a, you know, you, you might miss inside or outside. You also, if you're aiming for the inside, you might wind up throwing it down the middle. And, and when he throws it over the plate, it gets hit. Illinois baseball last night, they won an extra inning game at Illinois Field, 2-1 to one over Penn State. That game went to 10 innings with a wind blowing in. And uh, the Illini 23-13 and 13 on the season, 4-6 and six in the Big Ten. That's a necessary win, Steve. They're really down low in the Big Ten standings. It's scary because you want them to at least make the Big Ten tournament. And right now they're, um, you know, near the bottom and trying to get back up. Uh, good win. I mean, I will tell you that last night uh, in that wind, and in, it was in the low 40s and, and blowing 20, 25 miles an hour, Murray uh, saved the game for Illinois several ways. He made a backhanded uh, diving play on his stomach and pit, pitched the ball while laying there to the, to uh, Troike at second base to start a double play. Sensational play. Then he makes hits a triple over the center fielder's head to score the first run. He scored on a, a sacrifice fly. And then, uh, of course, he, he got a hit in, in the ninth inning that could have helped win the game, but they couldn't they couldn't finish it, and they finally won in the 10th. In the and, and it was interesting that the, the Penn State uh, manager, coach, is, is using all these switches that you see in, in Major League Baseball now. And when uh, Troike came up, the whole right side of the infield was open. They had the, short, the second baseman was on the shortstop side. So he just poked the ball to right field and won the game. Did you see uh, that Matt Carpenter laid down a bunt? Well, he's, he's <laughs> going to. The only trouble is that that darn guy, you know, they're going to keep that guy near third base to try to prevent him from doing that. Yeah. And but if he could hit a ground ball to shortstop, he'd hit 500. <laughs> or a thousand because there's just nobody there right but uh, he's never hit a ground ball to shortstop that i can remember speaking of never how about that joey Votto stat this week <laughs> popping out that? to first base in 6800 <laughs> at bats that's a weird stat he had never popped out to first base <laughs> how would you like to be the guy that had to look that one up I don't know how <laughs> they would even know that i mean i, I guess you, that would take a lot of work then the next night, he did something else he had never done. He hit a home run from the leadoff position. They they batted him leadoff, hit a home run. That's never happened. He's batted leadoff a few times. Is that right? Yeah. I'd never seen him in the leadoff spot. Yeah. So, but that foul ball would, uh, or uh, pop out to the first baseman was uh, a stat that I didn't even know that you could <laughs> quantify. Uh, softball, Michigan beat Illinois 2-1. to one. Michigan's 13-1 and one in the Big Ten. Yeah. The Illini fall to six and seven in conference play there, and twenty-seven and fifteen overall. Really, uh, the outfielders are playing so close these, uh, with a win like it was last night in baseball and softball. But uh, Sickles pitched well for Illinois, just uh, you know, two to one game, just like the base. Both those scores are two to one, and and they're both were affected by the win. Something terrific. The Big Ten Women's Golf Championships underway over near Cincinnati, in Maynesville, Ohio, and the Fighting Illini. Leading after day one, they've got a three-shot lead at a three over par. Ohio State, Indiana, both uh, three shots back at plus six. Michigan State and Purdue, three more shots back at plus nine. They'll be uh, getting going over there in uh, suburban Cincinnati in round two of the Big Ten Women's Championships. The uh, the uh, women's tennis team for Illinois beat Penn State four to one yesterday to improve to seven and three in the Big Ten, 13 and 10 overall. They also had a uh, match later yesterday against Northern Iowa won that four to nothing. So they put two wins on the board yesterday. The men's golf team is at the Hawkeye Invitational out in Iowa City. That one uh, getting on underway this morning. Those are some of your headlines 
on this Saturday morning. Of course, the big headline of the week is Io DeSumo's announcement of unfinished business, and he'll be back at the University of Illinois. Your thoughts on that, Mr. Tate? Well, I, I thought surely he would try out. Uh, I don't know why he isn't. I don't understand that. I think he, uh, you, you have the option to, to try out and come back, and I, I would think you'd, uh, you know, yeah, most guys want to at least see where they fit. Maybe uh, you know he would have reasons that I'm certainly unaware of, but didn't you think he would at least give it a shot, I mean, I, and then come back? I did. I didn't think there was anything to lose by doing that. I don't see what you have to lose either unless it's, unless you can be exposed in some fashion. And unless he got some solid, credible feedback already. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure he does that. From people that he trusts and right. his family trusts. Right. And, but the bigger surprise to me was Cassius Winston not checking it out. He, just, he said he's coming back as well. Yeah, you know, there's all these questions about Edwards who apparently is leaving Purdue, mm-hmm. and Winston, as to how they fit at the NBA level. How do you think Edwards, for instance, will fit at the NBA level? How will Winston fit at the NBA level when he does go? I, I don't know. I really don't. They're really good college basketball players. That's right. Exactly. And I don't know if, if they, where they, uh, you know, that next step is going to be a tough one for either one of them. Uh, Winston has always been a really good assist man. Even when I didn't know much about him when he was a freshman, check his assists. He's always been able to give off the ball to guys that can score. But now that he's back, you know, there's a good chance that um, Michigan State might be the number one team in the nation coming back. I mean, they are being considered that by some some of the experts already. I find that uh, interesting. <laughs> I don't I, the, the talent level. They don't have NBA talent level, but they'll have Langford back. They think they'll have Ward back, although he's testing. Mm-hmm. And uh, those two guys, and of course, they, they've got the young guys coming up, and they got Tillman. So, yeah, I can see where they've got a really good team. At number one in the country, all, all, already we've seen Duke, for example, land three five star players. They just got another one uh, yesterday, I believe. Uh, his name is Matthew Hurt, and he's a Minnesota guy, by the way. And he's going. He's the third uh, five-star that Duke has gotten already, and they're still in line for several more. Now they lose, they lose Zion, and they lose Reddish, and they lose Barrett, so they have to replace these guys. But uh, would you rank? How do you rank them going into the season? Awfully good, but yeah, it's hard to hard to do that. But uh, they showed the in the past they can play with freshmen, no doubt about it. Uh, as far as Michigan, Michigan State being preseason number one, I don't know that I'd go that high, but they'd be top ten, no doubt. Oh, yeah. With those guys coming back, if they all come back. Illinois is hosting a basketball player this weekend. I'll try it first. Oh, boy. Thomas Wolentenze, maybe. That's close. Wolentenze. He's a 6'5 wing out of junior college in Iowa. And he's a left-hander. And he's on an official visit. And they definitely want him. He he shot 46.7% on threes for Indian, Indian Hills last year. He's got two years eligibility. He's from Italy. Uh, Illinois got them from. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll figure it out when when they the, when the uh, lineup is settled. We'll f- see where they all come from. So he's on an official visit. They would have a couple of more official visits lined up, or two more lined up. Uh, Bernard Kuma and uh, T.J. Hollyfield both have said they'll make officials to Illinois. Yeah. And um, but self visited Kansas self visited Hollyfield yesterday. That's scary. Now, if he gets if he gets to the point where he actually comes to Illinois and makes his visit and doesn't commit beforehand, 
great, but man, that makes you nervous when you see Self in there with him. And Bill Self said this week, I am definitely not leaving this season. Anyway, he's going to coach Kansas. So, uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a tough one to, to have to fight well, against. Well, also, Tex- he's going to visit Texas Tech, and yeah. that's another tough one. So, Illinois uh, in the battle for Hollyfield. Uh, at one point, I thought we were, you know, Illinois was going to get him. But uh, now it's, it's going to be a, a typical recruiting battle, and Illinois is still in there. And as I said, Illinois has the last visit as long as he makes all his visits. So that's uh, some of the stuff going on. The phone line is open. We'll get to the phones in just a moment. Uh, the uh, gymnastics NCAA championships, we're going to talk more about coming up in just a moment with Justin Spring. The six teams that made it through uh, the qualifying sessions yesterday in the first session, Number three, Michigan. Number two, Stanford. Number seven, Nebraska advanced. And then last night, number one, Oklahoma. Number four, Illinois. Number five, Penn State. All advanced to tonight's uh, finals at the State Farm Center. More on that coming up. Let's go to the phones and say hi to Alan in Montrose. What do you say, Alan? Morning, guys. Uh, I got to think about a pair that we Recruited, and we just had to have a few years ago, and I haven't heard a thing about him since. His name is Charlie Moore. Whatever happened to him? Well, Charlie's uh, in the portal right now. He's leaving Kansas, and um, he is uh, didn't get to play much for Kansas this year, and I don't know what uh, where he's going to wind up. But this will be his third school. He started at Cal. Yeah, he might try to set the NCAA record for, for number of schools, <laughs> four schools in five years or something. <laughs> He's just not good enough. He's not good enough is the answer. Well, that's what I was getting at. Boy, a few years ago, we were extremely disappointed when we didn't get him. No, no, no. I don't know if that's true. We made a decision. Illinois made a decision. Now, it depends on what year you're talking about. But when he came out of Cal, he was going to come to Illinois. And right. they, they elected not to take him because they wanted Io. They, to- oh, okay. they chose Io over Moore at one time in their recruiting process. Well, I'd have to say that was a good choice. Yeah, I mean it's pretty obvious. That Charlie's just a little small, yeah. and he isn't quite as good as they <clears throat> as he was in high school. But that's a, that's true of a lot of guys. I mean, just because how you play in high school doesn't always uh, reflect how you're going to play in college. Has any of uh, the uh, other Big Ten players left early, like Stevens of Penn State or anything like that? I haven't heard anything. Well, nobody's left until they. <laughs> they've actually well they've got to well, what, he, monday early next week i think to, to, to put, actually sign up and then they got yeah. to late may right. to get out of it mm-hmm. so you'll you'll see a whole bunch of guys that have signed up coming back you know because you can hire you can pay a, a an agent and still come back so we won't know oh, okay. you, so all your speculation you might as well wait another five weeks because you aren't going to know who's on anybody's team until we f- see who comes back and who comes? So there's no definites at all then. Well, there'll be definite in five weeks. What What do you want? <laughs> you need to know well, uh, I, in April who the players are going to be next November. Well, some of them will usually say that they're not coming back no matter what. Well, sure, they can say that, but they can still come back. Yeah, the the fact <laughs> that they can actually pay an agent and still come back—that's new because yeah. you couldn't do that before. Yeah, you you okay. couldn't you couldn't take a you couldn't hire an agent and come back. Yeah, but that's uh, a new rule. Well, yeah. that. that that's a game changer there. It could be. Hey, Alan, okay. thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Back to the phones. Bob and Urbana. Hey, Bob. 
Hi, I've got some questions or some comments about the NCAA tournament, so this is kind of old news. But, you know, uh, one is all those prognosticators that were picking an all-ACC Final Four, those folks are out of their minds. I mean, you know, the ACC is a very good conference and probably the best this year, but to say they were going to make all four Final Four spots was kind of ridiculous. Another comment was, I think it was Purdue, Purdue in their game could not buy a rebound. They would have got two more rebounds in that game. They would have won, but they were horrible at blocking out. Um, and final comment is Michigan State. Michigan State, their loss, had no, had no answer to the double and triple teaming down low, and they were forced to take outside shots. I don't know why even a halftime adjustment wasn't made, but it was just horrible that they had no inside game at all and couldn't figure it out. So I, I don't know that Michigan State's going to do well next year unless they figure that out. But anyway, thought I'd throw those out there. All right, Bob, we appreciate it. It is 9-16 here on Saturday Sports Talk. We need to take our first break. We'll do that. The line I fell on Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and yours truly, Steve Kelly. Back after this. Stay with us. Join us later today for a softball-baseball doubleheader, Illinois softball with Scott Beatty at 1 against Michigan, Dave Lone with Illinois baseball at 3 against Penn State. Coming up on 920, Illini Pellow Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Got a couple callers on hold. Uh, people, hang on if you like, or give us a call back maybe in a 20 minutes or so. We'll have another open line session. But right now we want to talk about the NCAA Gymnastics championships underway at the State Farm Center yesterday afternoon, last night, and then again tonight. Illini coaches Justin Springs fighting Illini, ranked number four in the country. Got through the qualifying last night, and uh, Coach Spring joins us on the phone this morning. Justin, how you doing? Not bad. I'm in the middle of a uh, coaches meeting, <laughs> getting prepped for uh, for tonight. Actually, Josh Whitman's coming in to kind of speak to our coaches association and a few. A few minutes, actually, so the days are just packed. But um, super excited walking out of State Farm last night. Really happy with the way it, it, uh, it finished up. Um, put up the second-highest score of the championship uh, as a team, so that was, that's, that's pretty solid. Um, but we need to be a lot better if we're going to try to be on top tonight. We won't keep you long, but what were some of the things that uh, you, you liked best about uh, the performance last night? Uh, Palmer Horse was incredible. Those guys really kind of shifted the whole. After we kind of walked away from Palmer Horse, I knew we were we were going to be good to go, and and we were going to be um, in the championship night tonight. So um, that kind of sealed the deal for us. Uh, we got to be better on floor and parallel bars, and probably clean up a little bit on vault. But um, to be completely honest, uh, it, it, there wasn't too many mistakes. So um, be looking forward to just cleaning up a little bit everywhere. We need to take a couple more landings. And uh, the points are going to jump quite a bit. So hopefully we can make those changes. Uh, this is Lauren. Uh, tell me, uh, do you attempt to change the level of difficulty that you go into tonight in order to try to catch uh, an Oklahoma team that just seems to be out of reach? Um, we have so we have we have a lineup, a couple lineup changes we may make, um, kind of saving guys to be a little bit more fresh. So you might see a different. Uh, you might see a different lineup. Um, the, the the routines themselves will probably be the same. It really okay. comes down to the execution part, Lauren. You know, honestly, it, we again, like you know, the, the the landing deduction versus a stick can be four ten swings. You know, if you get back three tenths on every routine, that's nine points. That's very reachable. That's very attainable. That's very doable. So that that's really what we're focusing on, competing with a little bit more precision and. Um, 
you know, Oklahoma had a great day yesterday, and we, we, had, a, we had a good day. Um, we need to have an amazing day tonight, and it could be a very different story. And Muldaur from Oklahoma, I, when I saw him on the pommel horse, I thought he was flying. And then Parad- Paradise comes in and, and whips him. I, mean, I actually, Moldauer finished third in the thing. But, I mean, how, how, good, <laughs> how good are these guys on the pommel horse? They're unbelievable. Yeah, the pommel horse battle. For, I mean, honestly, every battle for, for an individual title on any event tonight is going to be outrageous. Um, you've got, you know, guys that have trained two, three, four years their entire career, seniors, you know, peaking at the exact right moment. And you're going to see, you know, fractions of a tenth that separate who's a national champion and who's off the podium completely. And so, I mean, that's the, that's the amazing part about tonight is it's all happening. Individual titles, all-around titles, and team championship tonight um, at State Farm. So that's, that's kind of the fun story to watch is watch the scores pop, the scores pop up and, and just see just great, amazing Olympic-level gymnastics. Talk a little bit about Hamish Carter. Is he a freshman? Is that right? Hamish is a, yep. Hamish is a freshman and injured. Um, you know, he, he really crushed it on high bar for us. And but he, he has the potential to be an all-around national champion next year. We just got to get him healthy. He came in mid-year, and um, it, we were quite a young team, surprisingly. You know, as much as we're losing an incredible amount of routines from our seniors, we're going to still be a pretty strong team next year because of guys like Michael Fletcher, Clay Mason Stevens, and certainly. Hamish Carter, who's made a name for himself from the Big Ten Championships. So, what, what's his um, size? How big is he? Um, I think he presents bigger than he looked uh, than he looks. Maybe, oh. or he's um, he 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 he's uh, he's shorter than me. He's probably only five 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 six. Is that right? I I I I, I, I would have never guessed that. But in, in any case, that horizontal bar was scary. I mean, is those guys flying on that? Did, and, and your guys, I thought they were just terrific in that particular event. I mean, I, that was a, that one just caught my eye. I just couldn't k- take kick my eyes off of it. The, the guys oh, yeah. spinning around and doing the one arm thing, and I, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but uh, it, man, that, I, that must have been a peak performance for you on that particular event. Well, we put up the highest score in the country last night, barely to Oklahoma, but our high bar team, I think, is world class. I, I kind of pride myself. That's that was my favorite event, so I. I, I tend to teach a little bit more risky high flying. <laughs> well, I would uh, think so. Okay. Yeah, the, you got to let go to get the big difficulty, but then you got to hit. So another couple of minutes uh, with uh, Justin Spring is having an event this size with this magnitude in Champaign. You're hosting. Is that kind of a double-edged sword for you as a coach? Uh, are there? Would you, on one hand, would you rather be somewhere else where you could just focus on on the coaching part, or do you kind of enjoy the the whole thing? Yeah, you could say we're burning the candle at both ends this weekend. <laughs> I've got um, almost a hundred alumni in town for this event, so um, you know about about ten people staying at my house, and my assistant coach has about twenty people staying at his house. <laughs> and, um, you're just packing in corners of rooms because. <laughs> No guy, you know, it kind of it kind of caught fire a little bit when when you know the alumni they want to come back, they want to be a part of that energy, this competitive environment. Um, actually, had pretty amazing attendance um, last night. What I thought was going to be kind of a mellow night ended up being almost 1,600 fans in the stand at State Farm, and I think we could double or triple that tonight. And a lot of that's going to be super passionate, engaged past the Illinois gymnasts that just want to come back for that competitive feeling and, and that championship feeling that they experience themselves. So. It is. It's hard. It's difficult. I'm already exhausted, and it's the most important night of the year. But uh, I wouldn't. Ha- I wouldn't rather any other way because I-, I think this just helps put 
gymnastics into the ears and eyes of our local community. You guys have been incredible. The media, local news affiliates have really been incredible with covering this championship. And I just, I think that just all around helps our program and gives us great exposure. So whatever, <laughs> if it means I got to work triple hours, I'll do it. Well, we'll let you get back to your coaches' meeting. Best of luck uh, coming up later on tonight, and uh, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you, guys. I pr- really appreciate it. You bet. Justin Spring, uh, yep. Illini Gymnastics coach with us that uh, session tonight at the State Farm Center. 926, we're going to talk some Illinois high school football recruiting with Edgy Tim from the Chicago area coming up shortly. Let's go back to the phones now, though, and say hi to Steve in Princeton. What's going on, Steve? Yeah, I was just wondering, following the transfer portal, but what about the coaching portal? It seems like head coaches get fired and they get a job somewhere else, which leads me to our Chester Fraser and Roger Powell trying to build a resume to become head coaches, and when will they get that break, or where will they get that break? Well, well we, we can't say when they're going to get the break, but they're certainly moving up, aren't they, Steve? Sure, yeah. Chester Fraser is going to Virginia Tech. It looks like Roger Powell's going to Gonzaga. I don't know if that's officially been announced yet. Uh, Gonzaga had a longtime uh, assistant uh, retire, and apparently Roger Powell is in the running for that one, if he hasn't already uh, locked it up. But yeah, sure, I, I would think that for Chester's situation, I'm thinking, sure, he's trying to build a resume to become a head coach, but in his case, he's getting back closer to home. He's closer to Baltimore, and he spent some time, obviously, with uh, Bruce Weber at Kansas State. So, yeah, I don't know what what kind of track those guys might be on. But uh, certainly uh, in uh, Roger Powell's case, if he goes to Gonzaga, what a place to learn there. Huh? You bet. Yeah, it's great to see Roger moving along. Of course, with the Vanderbilt situation, he was actually let go because of the coach was fired and Drew was fired there after not winning a single SEC game this year. Anything else, Steve? No, I was just wondering, you know, like you said, it seems like, Head coaches get the break, but uh, for an assistant to get the head coaching job, they're far and few between. Well, at some point, you know, I guess you don't find many John Beelines. John Beelines never been an assistant coach. He was a, had been a head coach his whole career. But you you got to start somewhere. You got to get that first break, and uh, it'll be a school something like uh, you know Northern Kentucky or a mid major or somewhere like that where these guys yeah. get their eventual break. You, you might see Roger Powell, the head coach at Valpo or something like that one of these days. He spent some time there. So uh, it's just the right opportunity uh, presents itself, and they'll look at that. But uh, I think those are two pretty good moves for those two guys. Now I'm not sure what the cycle's like when you, Vanderbilt hires Jerry Stackhouse. Maybe they want NBA players now. So, Well, I think that they want to uh, – they're certainly going to be in the AAU business. Yeah, I've, Vanderbilt would have been about the last school that I would have thought that would have made a hire like that. Um I could see why Memphis did it with uh, Penny Hardaway. He was a an alum and a kind of a legend in that area. But the Stackhouse really hadn't had any ties to the state of Tennessee or Vanderbilt, certainly. But he had coached in the uh, what do they call it? D- G-, G-, G League, yeah. G League, yeah. And uh, it's a Gatorade league. That's right. <laughs> and uh, he had a uh, quite a list of AAU contacts, no doubt. So it'll be interesting to see if if that turns out to be a good hire at Vandy. Okay, enjoy listening to you. Appreciate the call. Good work. Thank you. And before we hit the bottom of the hour, let's uh, take another call. Shorty in Champaign. Hey, Shorty. Okay, this uh, young man from uh, Virginia Tech High School out in 
I believe Virginia, is coming to Illinois when he's supposed to sign by Friday. Uh, they've got to, um, I forget the date in May. Is it May in the 20s, right? 21st or so? I think it's like the 15th. Isn't the signing period like 30 days? Yeah, something like that, so yes. It, it began but he is coming. Which one? You mean Cockburn? The one in Virginia, the seven-footer. That's from some other country, educated in high school. Yes. In yeah, yeah, Kofi Cockburn. I, he, really, he looked pretty good on Channel 3 the other day when yeah. they had him on there. He's coming. He's Bring him Okay. Faith, appreciate the call. Thank you. 930 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk will continue after this. Stay with us. Moving up on 934, Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open, 356-9397 is the number. We'll talk to some uh, NCAA Championship gymnastics with Illini coach Justin Spring in the previous segment. Going to turn our attention for a few minutes to high school football recruiting as it might pertain to the University of Illinois. Our next guest is Tim O'Halloran, also known as Edgy Tim. Check him out at edgytim.com. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing this morning? Doing well, guys. How are you? Good. We kind of wanted to touch base with you and get a feeling from you to see if you had a feeling on how. Lovey Smith and his staff is doing uh, recruiting-wise in the state of Illinois. Obviously, uh, that is an area that uh, Illinois wants to get better at. How do you think things have been going here recently, at least? Well, you know, at least recently when you land two commitments from two top ten players, and, you know, talking about uh, Jaden Thompson from Maris, a wide receiver who rivals has ranked as a four-star along with Marcus Harper, who's a three-star uh, offensive lineman out of uh, Simeon, played last year at uh, HF before transferring to Simeon. It's a pretty good start. Um, again, I, I think for you know this, the many times you guys have had me on, I've always said if, if you're Lovey Smith and the fighting Illini, if, if you can land three to four of the top 10, 15 kids, you're doing pretty good in state. And so far, guys, that's a really nice early start. Have you seen any kind of change in strategy, or do you feel like they've they've always been effective at at least getting into the high schools and letting people know what they have going on and what they're trying to pitch? Yeah, there there seems to be definitely more of a connection with the kids, and and certainly from the Chicagoland perspective, I think you've got to point directly at Mike Bellamy, who came back from Toledo. Um, again, Mike's always been just a, just a really hard-nosed recruiter and gets after it. He did the same thing when he was at Toledo as well. And, and he's been able to kind of, you know, he's had those connections in Chicagoland for a while. He knows these kids and uh, has been able to really tap into that. And, and I think what was equally impressive besides the uh, early commitment that uh, Illinois has gotten is, you know, uh, some of the visitors that have been down there and, and they've had basically your top – 25 kids or so that have been on that campus in the last handful of weeks. And that's impressive. You're getting kids down and, and they're enjoying it. And, you know, between the the early commits and, and a kid like Jaden Thompson, who uh, I think a lot of recruits look towards as kind of a leader and, and a kid that uh, they all get along with really well. There's definitely some uh, positive momentum right now for the fighting Illini on the recruiting circle. No, no question in my mind. Tim, this is Lauren. Where would you say the state is strong this year? Where is the state weak in terms of talent? And I'm speaking by position. Well, I mean, Lauren, it's funny. It seems like every year we have the same conversation, but I don't know what happened to all the offensive tackles that used to live in the state, but 
I think they, they either moved out of state or, or we just stopped having big kids. Um, there's not a lot of tackles in this class, and, and it's been that way for the last five, six years here in Illinois. And I think it definitely has an overall impact on the on just the real the quality and the depth of the recruiting class. Um, Skill-wise, it's a very good year. Receiver-wise, it's a very good year in 2020. Um, but, again, just that offensive lineman, I know we have a handful of kids that are listed as tackles that, quite honestly, Warren, they're going to wind up playing inside at the college level. So, again, uh, not having – those big six six long lanky kids, it's just uh, they're harder and harder to find, unfortunately. We'll talk about AJ Henning because he is the grandson of Quinn Richardson, who was a star basketball player here on that yep. nineteen eighty four team. Um, Henning is, uh, I understand that Alabama Ohio State are involved, but uh, does Illinois have a shot at him as a receiver? Yeah, I, I, Lauren, I really think they do, and and I, I think one of the interesting stories as well with AJ is. Um, you know, he's, he struggled the last year plus various uh, kind of nagging injuries and really impacted his junior year last year. He, he saw some time, but it was kind of limited. And I think AJ would be the first to tell you, he just really never found his gear. Well, I had a chance to, uh, see him run down in St. Louis, uh, last Sunday at the opening camp, the Nike opening camp. And I think the best thing I got out of that was just being able to see that young man finally run and cut and stop and do everything that he was able to do a couple of years ago, and I, I definitely think Illinois is in the mix. And, again, I'll point towards Jaden Thompson, who he's really good friends with. And um, I think they're, I think, I think Notre Dame is certainly up there as well. They've been on A.J. about as early as anyone. And you mentioned some of the bigger, the Alabamas of the world, and he made a kind of a kind of a southern trip on his spring break and, and visited Alabama and Clemson and, and some others and picked up some offers. But uh, I think he's a Midwest kid. I, I think the Fighting Illini are certainly in there with Notre Dame and a few others. But uh, he's a special talent, Lauren. He's a kid that you can probably wind up playing him as more of a slot back. And you get him the football, he can do a lot of good things. And as far as special teams as well, he can be an impact player. No, he's at Lincolnshire East, and I, I, it seems like that uh, particular school turns out a lot of top players. I, I understand that Lincolnshire Central has never beaten East, even when East didn't have seniors. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're talking about Lincoln Way. Yeah, Lincoln Way. I said, sir, excuse me. Yes, Lincoln Way. No, no problem. Yeah, it's it's a rarity, Lauren. It's a program that has been in the state playoffs in the first year they played varsity football, which is. Almost unheard of, but again, it's in that Frankfurt and Lennox area that uh, is just absolutely stacked with talent. And I mean, all four, all three of the high schools Same in that district have consistently made the playoffs every year. What about uh, Willis Singleton from Warren Township? I, I, his dad played briefly at Illinois as a defensive back. Well, he's a 285-pounder. Where do you think Illinois stands on him? Uh, I, I think the, the odds are he could wind up being your next commitment. Um, I really think so. Again, I had a chance to talk with him quite a bit on Sunday at the opening and just coming off. They had Illinois offer him the day before, and, and he still had that glow and that buzz about getting that, that offer from Illinois. And it's a big one. As you mentioned, his dad was there and uh, talked about just being able to call his dad and tell him that he had a, an Illinois offer. You could just see it in his eyes. And, it really meant something. So, um, you know, I like him a lot. It's, you know, I know a lot of the talk has been about Denver Warren and deservedly so from West Aurora. He's another top ranked kid as a defensive tackle, but Willits is right there with him. you know, kind of a, kind of a big, strong kid, but really quick and mobile and, and, and just a really strong player inside and, and off the field as well. Great character kid and a kid that, uh, 
you know he's going to show up. He's going to get it done in the classroom as well. So yeah, no, he's uh, he's one I would look at. And you mentioned AJ, but I, I think Willis Singleton could very well be the next commitment for Illinois. Another couple of minutes with Edgy Tim O'Halloran. Is Illinois football, high school football, how do you rank it right now with some surrounding states? Is this a high point for Illinois football? Is it cyclical? Is it a little bit up and down? But where do you, what do you think the status of uh, high school football in the state of Illinois is right now? Well, I'd love to get my pom-poms out and wave them around and tell you how great the football is in the state, but I would be lying to you. Um, it hasn't been great. Um, it hasn't been great here for a while, and, and I think there's a lot of factors in that. We talk about how people continue to locate out of the state. I think that has definitely had an impact. Um, and, and I just think there's less kids. And uh, you also mix in the entire concussion issue, which we're still seeing a fallout. Uh, participation numbers continue to dwindle. Um, schools are continuing to fight for, for numbers. And, you know, there's a lot of conferences now, guys, where, uh, you know, you're talking about limiting basically cutting a level of football, whether it's a sophomore level or a JV level because of overall numbers. So uh, it's not a great, it's not a great state right now. And, and I certainly think just the overall number impact is it's had it on the talent level as well. I just think there's a lot of kids that would give football a, a try before that for, you know, various reasons, we're just not getting those kids right now. And I think it's impacting the overall quality here. Don't you think there's a, there's an emphasis, particularly in Chicago proper uh, uh, to, toward basketball for great athletes. I mean, the great athletes in high school tend to look to me like they've been leaning toward basketball for some years. I, I, if we go back 30 or 40 years, it was all, it was different. Oh, yeah. I mean, Illinois ranked up high in the, in the nation uh, in turning out football players, but it looks to me like it's continuing strong in the South, but maybe it's starting to dwindle in the North. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, Lauren, you know, as well as I do, this has always been a basketball state first and foremost. I don't, I don't, honestly don't think that'll ever change. I think, I think football has definitely had its moments. And I also think it's, it's very, it definitely goes in cycles as well as up and down. And um, so, so I definitely think there's an upswing and I'll tell you right now, there's the upswing is going to start in 2021. The 2021 class here for football in the state of Illinois is, is absolutely loaded. You've already got a handful of uh, offer, you know, major offer kids at quarterback between uh, Ethan Kelly of Manis out of Antioch and as well as J.J. McCarthy out of Nazareth Academy. Those two kids are going to be nationally ranked quarterbacks and uh, a lot of talent in that 2021 class. So I don't expect it. I, I don't expect the down cycle to be here very long. But you know, as it stands right now, yeah, it hasn't been great. But believe me, there's a there's a lot of reasons to be enthusiastic for the next year or two. You mentioned earlier uh, Mike Bellamy coming back to his alma mater. And while the current high school kids probably don't remember Mike Bellamy, the player, but perhaps their parents do and uh, their coaches do. So you think that's a that's a benefit for Lovey Smith to get a guy like that uh, working in the Chicago area? Well, and a guy that, that's a well-known name and a guy that's a really energetic recruiter. I mean, he gets after it. He loves recruiting. He loves getting out there and and building those relationships with the kids. And I think that's been, been a strength all of a sudden for the Illini. I don't know if that was necessarily happening at the same level that Bellamy has kind of brought to the table, but uh, between him and then, of course, you got to talk about Corey Patterson down in uh, the St. Louis area. And guy, again, guys had a chance to see the talent down there on last Sunday. And that's another area that's, that has been strong. I think the St. Louis area is going to continue to be strong for the next few years. So uh, pretty good two pretty good places to really kind of focus your, your recruiting attention 
with guys like Bellamy in Chicago and Patterson down in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, again, you saw a really good recruiting class come out last year out of St. Louis. You get that kind of effort again. I think you really got things going in the right direction. It's going to, you know, that brings me to a point. Um, when Lovey came in, the first thing he did was hire a number of professional coaches like himself, yeah. guys from the NFL. It's interesting how he swung as they have dropped off. He's not gone back professionally. He's gone to Bellamy, who was at Toledo. He's gone to Corey Patterson, you mentioned. He's gone to Clark, who's in the defensive line, the offensive line. I mean, if you look around, he's just adding uh, more more college coaches who are more engaged in recruiting, it seems to me. And I think that's a that's a big uh, plus in his behalf. I think he I think he's changed his strategy. Do you see it that way? Yes, I, I definitely do. And and Warren, let's face it, I think that was one of the early criticisms when Lovey came in was that he was hiring all these NFL guys. Well, it's great to you know when you first meet kids and parents and say, hey, look, your position coach played in the NFL and he has his NFL pedigree. It's you know it's fantastic for an introduction, but. When it comes down to it, the lifeblood of, of your program and any college football re- program is recruiting. You have to go out and recruit these kids. You have to sell these kids, and you have to hang on to these kids. And um, you know, I just think guys coming in from the NFL might might it might look a lot easier than it is, but believe me, it's a lot of nonstop work. And now I think uh, Lovey's got the the kind of staff and guys on place that understand that and are getting after it. And hopefully, you're going to continue to see that pay off. Have you seen enough of Isaiah Williams to uh, to uh, offer an opinion on whether he'll compete right away for playing time at Illinois? Yes and yes. <laughs> yeah, he's he's fantastic. Um, now, I, I know the big question is, is he going to wind up being a quarterback or not? Guys, he's a playmaker. And I, I think if it's not quarterback, you're gonna, he's going to find his way to the field and he's going to contribute. And, you know, and another kid, uh, a friend of his, Mookie Cooper, they're going after, who, uh, again, decommitted from Texas. I know he's high on the, the fighting Illini radar. He's another kid that's kind of right there with Isaiah as well. I had a chance to see them both last year live down in East St. Louis. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're both pretty spectacular. So, yeah, no, I, I think Isaiah's got a chance to be an impact player right away. All right. We appreciate your time, uh, Tim, and we'll do this again here one of these days. And, uh, see how things may have changed between uh, now and then. But uh, thanks for taking time with us. You bet, guys. Have a great Easter. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. That's Edgy Tim O'Halloran from NBCSports.com, Chicago. We'll take a break and get the phone lines back open again, 356-9397, if you'd like to join us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk continues here on News Talk 1400 DWS with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Till 11 o'clock this morning, phone lines are open 356-9397. We've already talked about the NCAA Gymnastics Championships being held at the State Farm Center. Justin Spring spent some time with us. They'll uh, compete again tonight for the National Championship. Again, the six teams that got through qualifying yesterday Oklahoma, Illinois, Penn State, they all three qualified last night. Earlier in the day, it was Michigan, Stanford, and Nebraska. Sounds like a Big Ten tournament almost, but Oklahoma is the team to beat. Let's go uh, to the phones real quick. Again, those lines are open. Jim is with us. What do you say, Jim? Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, I, I just wanted to ask Lauren, and I don't know if you were there last Saturday, Steve, or not. I, I, I realize now why 
Lovey was kind of leery of hosting spring scrimmages because I, I just like your observations, man. I, I was, I left that place, and I know some guys weren't playing, but I left that place thinking, man, the talent on the field. And I know Edgy Tim was just talking about Isaiah Williams. If if he can't play quarterback next year as a true freshman, if he's not good enough, and I don't care what excuses people make, if he's not better than the guys Illinois has right now, I mean, we're still we're still a long way away. I just like to get, and I know spring games don't mean uh, I don't I don't know end all be all, but they're surely. What I watched on Saturday, I was I was woefully disappointed, and I'll just listen to you guys what what you have to say about well, it. Well, first of all, they were they were not tackling, which is you know that's not real football until you tackle. But that I think your quarterback situation is was affected by several things. Two of the couple of the, the offensive line positions had new people in them, and they did not perform well, and therefore they didn't get the blocking they needed. And secondarily. I don't think they've got receivers that are getting open. Now, they're going to have more receivers coming in, and I, I think Illinois will have more total rece- more mediocre receivers than anybody had ever had <laughs> when, they, when they start because they've got uh, at least three guys coming in uh, on transfers, and they've got, several, they've got Carter out there who isn't ready to play yet, and they had, they've got, they, they're really shorthand. I don't think Holmes played. I mean, they've got a, they're going to have about, oh, I don't know, uh, Steve, 12 or 13 receivers when they come back in the fall. And they've got to find some guys that can play because those, if those guys don't get open, that's going to make the quarterbacks not look particularly good. And they did not look particularly good, I didn't think. No, they didn't. They've got to find some receivers that uh, can catch the ball over the middle. They haven't had that since Dudek <laughs> went down. And they've got a tight end that could be a big factor yes. in that if, mm-hmm. if Ford is declared eligible, but as we expect he will, but we don't know. And he played, he's played pretty well. And by the way... Uh, Kendall Smith looked good for the second year in a row after being after spending some time as a defensive back. He's back on the offensive side. They've got a lot of guys, and they just need a couple to step up, and I don't know who they will be. They've got a Southern Cal transfer coming in. They've got a transfer from out east coming. I mean, they've, they've got players coming. They'll have numbers. I just don't know if they'll have the quality. Well, Jim was right. You, you don't learn a lot from spring games. A lot of times I find in spring games and even in early fall camp, I walk away – a little more confused than I was when I, because you don't know if the offense is doing good. Does that mean the defense is that bad? You know, there's a lot of things that are really hard to figure out when you're going against yourself. Well, and in this case, when you're not tackling. Well, let's understand something. They've got like nine of the top 11 positions in off, on offense back. They, they miss quarterback, which is key. They miss Allegretti in, in the one line spot. But otherwise, the, the offense should be decent if the, you know, if the quarterbacking situation can be resolved and, of course, if they can find a couple receivers out of that huge group that they're going to be dealing with. I don't know how you deal with that many receivers, but they're going to have a ton of them. But anyway, I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not disappointed by the spring game, but I, I can see why you would be uh, if you were expecting the quarterbacks to come out and really uh, and shine, and they didn't. Keeping the phone lines open, 356-9397 is the number. Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Baseball action this afternoon. Illinois and Penn State at Illinois Field. Selling beer at the ballpark now, Lauren. Is that uh, 
I'll tell you what, you didn't sell any beer last <laughs> night. I bet that's the least beer they ever sell at a baseball game. It was 42 degrees, and the wind was blowing 25 miles an hour, and there was nobody there. And the wind was blowing in, and Illinois did come out with a win, 2-1 to one in 10 innings over Penn State, but they'll play again this afternoon. Also, softball today as well at home. So if you're out and about, you want to see some uh, baseball, softball, you can do that. Let's go to uh, Jerry in Urbana. What do you say, Jerry? Um, are there softball and baseball games on Sunday also? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Right. The baseball game has been moved to 12 o'clock. Tomorrow. Yes. Sunday game has been moved to okay. 12 o'clock. Yes. The game today is 3 o'clock. Okay. Baseball. Right, mm-hmm. right. And there's softball at 1. Yep. Yep. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, Jerry, appreciate it. 9.55, got a special guest in the studio, a guy that uh, we've had on the air on the phone a few times on a, about a monthly basis. Will Leach is with us. Will, good to see you in town. Of course, thanks for uh, Wait a minute, hang on, hang on. i got to turn your mic on. Oh, there we go, there we go. Hey. How's that? <laughs> oh, Sound a little better. The ratings just dropped dramatically. <laughs> when you that back on. Uh, yeah, I'm here in the studio. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm, All uh, the way from Georgia. All the way from Georgia and from Mattoon this morning. I okay. uh, grew up in Mattoon, and my uh, my parents are uh, are moving to Georgia. They're following out to go see the grandchildren, so I went out to have one last bash in Mattoon last night. Oh, uh, man. I'm not sure uh, uh, Mattoon or I can handle much bash anymore, <laughs> so uh, so we just kind of took it easy and watched the Cardinals lose and uh, said, said goodbye to the old house. You're in Athens, Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I'm. Uh, they are they are as curious about what's going on with the Luke Ford situation right now as uh, as is going on here. They're a little confused about why what the problem is. Uh, to be honest, uh, you know they they have certainly they just had Justin Fields, their quarterback, go to Ohio State, mm-hmm. and he uh, had arguably less of a case than Luke Ford has. Yeah, uh, to, that's for what that people transfer. are saying, and so is certainly surprising. Um, there are a few theories as to uh, why that might be the case, that why it might be held up, and why this situation might be a little different than Fields. Well, he did not uh, uh, send his petition in as early as Fields did. That, yeah, that just went in not last week, but the week before. They would expect. Uh, Things should be coming through pretty quick now. You would think. You would think. But, uh, yeah, certainly. I, y'all, I like the fact that uh, uh, I always I know this may seem, sound like a strange thing to say, but I always feel like Illinois football is getting a little bit of momentum, even if just because the hashtags are becoming a bigger deal, <laughs> whether it's Liddyville or oh, Free yeah. Luke Ford. I feel like any, any sort of positive momentum, even if it's just trending topics, I will take it. Were the Georgia fans unhappy that he left? I, don't, I mean, I think people understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly. Uh, I, I think they were more upset about Fields. I think they understood that too. That was, I think, but Ford had a more, I think, more justified non-football reason. By the way, Ohio State's lost two quarterbacks. Yeah. Steve, what are you going to do about that? <laughs> it's out of my hands. <laughs> I feel like they'll come up with someone. Well, <laughs> yeah, they got they got do. someone, but they've lost their two yeah. and three guys and. One injury, and all of a sudden they're down to number four. Yeah, and whoever that is, I watched watched some All American. Exactly, (laughs) some five star that we'd all lose our minds to have. Uh, But yeah, Ford, I think that. it actually did leave them in a tough positional spot. I think they were kind of counting on him to kind of come in. Uh, they, they lost Isaac Nada, who's uh, one of their top uh, tight ends. They were kind of they they were they did they weren't unhappy with his performance there, and they're not used to losing people to Illinois would would be a fair assessment. But uh, I, I think everybody understood because of the personal situation. Since uh, you graduated from the U of I, tell me 
some of the places you have lived and worked. Yeah, so I graduated the U of I in 1997, and I lived in Los Angeles. I worked for You, the National College Magazine, which used to be an insert. They, they would pick four student journalists to go out to Los Angeles and live together and make a magazine. Uh, then I moved to St. Louis and worked for the Sporting News for a year and a half. Uh, and then in 2000, I, uh, like, like many foolish, young, optimistic, ambitious writers, I moved to New York to make my way as a writer <laughs> and starved for about five years. <laughs> but uh, finally broke through, and I think my, my big break was uh, founding Deadspin in uh, 2005. I founded that, and uh, Deadspin is obviously is what it is now. And uh, I write for New York, now I work for New York Magazine and Sports Illustrated and uh, uh, Major League Baseball, so I have a show on Sports Illustrated. And uh, I, uh, I pretty much uh, peddle my wares for, for whatever uh, merchants will have me. What uh, tell me about Deadspin? How did that get started? How did how did that work? Yeah, it was uh, it was funny because uh, I had started a site with some friends of mine called the Black Table, which is like an independent journalism site. And Gawker Media, remember Gawker Media, now kind of famous for the Hulk Hogan business, but uh, Gawker Media, they had they liked my work on that site and said, "Hey, would you like to do a gambling site for us?" And I said, uh, well, actually, I think gambling is bad and you shouldn't gamble. <laughs> so I'm a bad person to do that site. However, I think you guys should do a sports site. So I pitched them a long idea and they said, that's great. Uh, we're going to find we don't know who you are. So we're going to find someone else to do it. And when they all said no, they said, "Ah, oh, you're cheap. Give it a shot. <laughs> and, uh, and I caught a break and it, it, it caught on. I was very fortunate. Will Leach is with us. We'll have the phone lines open if you have any questions about any of the Number of topics that we'll uh, get into after uh, we break here at the top of the hour. 356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. It is moving up on 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is coming up next. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397. Or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. And welcome back to hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. 356-9397 is the number with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Love to hear from you if you'd like to join us. Will Leach is with us in the studio. Bunch of stuff we want to talk to Will about and uh, each month when we have him on, we touch on baseball and whatever else might be going on, gambling, who knows what. But I want to start, it's a week old now, but I want to start with uh, the Masters and Tigers come back and your thoughts about that. You were down there. Did you go to the Masters? I didn't go, but I mean, when you're in Georgia, when yeah. the Masters are on, you're there. Yeah. <laughs> like it is, it is definitely uh, the, the, the dominating thing. Yeah, I wrote about for New York Magazine this week. It's fascinating because... You know, obviously, Tiger Woods is still, I mean, he's been the, he hasn't won a, a major in so long, but he's still probably been the biggest story in golf that entire time. And it was interesting, obviously, that moment where he hugged his son was very moving. And I, but I, I thought it was interesting because it's not like, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I, maybe you guys, I didn't know Tiger Woods' son name, son's name. I didn't know like a lot of information about their relationship. So I think, I thought it was interesting that Tiger Woods still, in a lot of ways, is, uh, like personally, the things we know about him personally are generally negative. So, but it's funny. I was trying to figure out. I tried to kind of unpack why we were so kind of emotionally connected to him getting that win, and particularly that moment where he hugged his son. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like, particularly, you know, I'm about Tiger Woods' age. I'm about 
three months younger than Tiger Woods. And I remember watching him in 1997 and hugging him. When he hugged his father then, I remember I, I sided with him. I understood, like, oh, that, if I ever won the Masters, I would hug my father. It would be so cool. Oh, we would actually shake hands. We would never hug. Much too <laughs> stoic Midwesterners. Um, but uh, we would shake hands and say, good job, son. And then we would never discuss it again. Uh, but uh, but then, So the thing that was funny about watching Tiger Woods, uh, was, was, I think it was a movie about this time, is it's not, again, Tiger Woods, it's not really about Tiger Woods, right? Like it's it's about us and it's about aging and it's about feeling like your days are your best days are behind you, but still being able to still thrive and overcome a lot. Like the personal, like the personal stuff is on one thing. The physical stuff that he's overcome to me is is perhaps what's most impressive. And then the idea of him hugging his son, that's now that's what I would do if I won the Masters now. I would hug my son to do that, or at least to have a solid sto- stoic handshake with my son. And to me that that's what's so fascinating about the Tiger Woods thing. His story is really our story. Like the story of Tiger Woods, it's not like like he's not like a lot of athletes where we've we've we feel like we know them personally or we feel like like Tucker Woods has always been a little aloof and uh, his major personality t- uh, trait before all the negativity stuff was probably just being a walking Nike swoosh, right? Yeah. I mean, there really was not a lot to him. But I think it's telling that we can still emotionally connect to athletes in ways that have nothing to do with them personally. I thought that was, I was like, I don't, I'm not a huge golf fan. I have no personal strong thoughts about Tiger Woods. And I was very moved when, when he won and hugged his son. And I think that's, that speaks to a lot what I love about sports is the idea that it actually doesn't always have a lot to do with the athletes. It has to do with the way we interact with them and the way I think that personal thing is really important. Yeah. You hit the main thing. The thing that's most overlooked about this is that he didn't come out of the blue this week, this right. last week. Right. He had already become one of the top five golfers in the world at that time. Yeah. So uh, not that, and, and they're all against the field. Everybody's an underdog. Okay. Of course. So you can say, you know, McElroy's an underdog, sure he is, and he didn't play well, and he wasn't in it. But uh, Tiger was not a, a long shot. Yeah. Um, um, and and I think that he had won in the last year. He had he had pr- proven that he could play. And uh, it, the interesting thing to me was the four guys. I can say the the four closest guys all put their ball in the water on fourteen, yeah. <laughs> which definitely helped Tiger. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that won't. Come they up all made that, double yeah. bogeys on that yeah. par three. And, when they uh, when they do the highlight package of Tiger winning, they won't show that. But that was absolutely a major a major part. I, that's of it. when my jaw dropped. Yeah. I thought, not, not all four of it's them. It's all coming together, right? And that, that was when you kind of knew it, right? That yeah, was when you knew, right? It. Like, like, because at that point it was like, okay, this could. You, you were all kind of watching. You saw him lurking a little bit when and that he happened. He was playing yeah. careful. Yeah, he, he hit was. the ball to the left side of the hole, and yeah. he played the long putt, and he took his par and walked away, yeah. and and he that's what he did. Which is, I'm not sure, something he would have done when he was 22 or 23. Well, he would have gone for he it. He probably right? would have been attacking. Yeah. Well, he played for he played for bogey on the last hole. Yeah. That's what you got to do. You, well, that's that, all he needed. That's well, what yeah, once, once he's behind the tree, he did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, and I think that's that's funny too. You know, because I mean, one of the things you saw a lot in the wake of his win, where a lot of people being like, "Well, those of you who." doubted Tiger Woods should have never doubted Tiger Woods like frankly these are the exact same people who were like did you see that mug shot of him just two years ago like yeah. Yeah. like oh Tiger look what happened to Tiger look how old he looks what <laughs> happened to him and now they're pretending that it was other people that were saying that they thought he was done I, I to me I think it's great I, I'm, I'm happy I but I find myself I'm happy for him I guess but to me it's I, I'm happy for that shared experience. Like for me, I, when I write about sports and I watch about sports, it's less to me about the personal glorification of the athlete and more how exciting it is for the people to have come shared that experience together. Let's go back to the phones. Bill is calling from Rantoul. Bill, you're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. I was going to ask your guest, uh, 
he has a connection around here and a connection down south. I know a lot of Illini fans, every time we see Bruce Pearl in a game and he's winning winning games, he had a great team. Those little guards were great this year. Pretty entertaining, but it's a real problem for us people up here to watch a guy who's been caught cheating so much continue to coach in the NCAA, and I wonder if your, your guests had any comments on it. Uh, oh, I I have many comments on Bruce Pearl. Up here. I love it. I have to. Uh, yeah, I live in uh, I live in Athens, Georgia, and so Auburn is a huge rival of Georgia. Anyway, I actually have season tickets to Georgia basketball because I can actually walk to the games. Um, Tom, it's weird that Tom Crean is back in my life on a daily basis now. Uh, but uh, he's an active guy. Isn't he, he is an active guy. He, he's actually really, he he is really. I mean, certainly recruiting. He's increased great for Georgia right now, and they think of the number one player in the class coming uh, coming next year, which is something you would never see at Georgia. But I remember when they. Were, after they fired Mark Fox and they were talking about new coaches and Pearl popped up on a list and I was thinking of all unless they hired someone who personally wore a shirt every day saying I don't like Will Leach there's no other way that would make me cancel these tickets than if you got <laughs> Bruce Pearl to be the coach of this team and uh, I was at Minneapolis I was there for the final four and I will say that uh, the general consensus among everyone there not involved with the Auburn program from national reporters to coaches no one was rooting for Bruce Pearl. <laughs> no one was rooting. Like, that, that is not just a champagne thing. How could Auburn have hired him? Because it's Auburn. Like, this is kind of what Auburn does. I, I, I don't mean – there is a school of thought that actually thinks Auburn is being more honest about this in the idea that Auburn is like, like whatever. Like, we're not here we, – we, we do not have an athletic program. Let's not kid ourselves to – support this student athlete and to like, we're trying to win. Like they want to win and they will do that in football and they will do that in basketball. And they really don't, whatever, everybody wants to win. But Auburn does not pretend it is anything else other than what it's trying to do. So Auburn was always a logical fit for Pearl in a way that say Georgia would not have been. Georgia is still, I know that in a Kirby smart era, they're a little bit more intense about, about winning, but like the specter of Mark Richt, who is just this beloved guy, beloved Christian man who like, who is just, like he wanted to win, but he was very about being above board about everything. The idea that there would be a place where he and Bruce Pearl could po- coexist is very, <laughs> very not going to happen. So, yeah, Pearl is. Uh, I will say, uh, I'm a national reporter. I was at the Final Four. I'm. It is not my job to have a rooting interest in the games. I'm just writing about the story. But uh, I, I was a big Chris Beard fan uh, in, that, uh, in that Texas Tech game because that there is something particularly with what's going on in college basketball right now. Maybe it would be justice in a way for to have someone like Bruce Pearl win like that would kind of tell you a little bit about where college basketball right. is in the world right now but i i'm not ready for to actually for that to be the world of college basketball yet so i was glad he didn't win anything else bill just to thank well my blood pressure just went down about 40 points <laughs> <laughs> well glad we could help Pre- appreciate your call three five six nine three nine seven is the number if you'd like to join us will leach is here for a few more minutes at least and on the program. Lots of topics to talk about. Back to the Masters before we let that go. As you watched that, did you find yourself rooting for Tiger, rooting against him, or just watching it play out? I had a personal and professional side. On the professional side, I, know I tend to write about sports a lot of the times for non-sports publications, which means a lot of times you get kind of like 
I, I guess the, the term is drive-by media. They're like, a, oh, what's going on in golf over there? Will, Will, write about this Tiger Woods thing that's going on. So I knew if he won, there would be a lot of expectations. Well, you knew if Molinari won. Yeah, I'll put it this way. The staff of New York Magazine is not like, oh, get on the Molinari victory. <laughs> like they Obviously, Tiger Woods was a, was a bigger thing in that regard. I did, to, to me, you know, you find yourself wanting – there's always you want big sports moments like anytime you're you you watch sports and again i I am in the media but i think of myself as a fan first and you want a big moment i actually like mona i think he's a good player i think he's a likable guy sure but like no one's talking about the masters in two months like the minute the tiger you realize he was going to win you're like oh this is the sports story of the year and i've always joked about i used to have a joke called the nancy grace rule of sports which is the minute that a story crosses over from a sports story crosses over from sports into cable news sports fans don't like to talk about it anymore we're like oh moving on (laughs) All the people that don't care about sports are talking about the story now. And Tiger Woods is definitely one of those. But I think there's still there's something good about that. Think about sports stories. The Wall Street Journal had Tiger Woods winning on the front page of its newspaper. That's the first time in the history of the Wall Street Journal that a sports news story, like a like a game story, was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Now, to be fair, like, you know. Bill, uh, multi-millionaire wins award at club with like three women members is a story that would probably be on the cover of the Wall Street <laughs> Journal anyway, even if it wasn't sports. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, uh, I, it was certainly the type of story that crosses over uh, in a lot of different places that is exciting. And there's not a lot of stories like that. I think the Cubs winning the World Series was a story like that. I think if the Browns won the Super Bowl, I think that would be a story like that. But like, there's not a lot of stories left that aren't scandal-related that will cross over truly in a way that Tiger Woods story did. Visiting with Will Leach. Let's go back to the phones. Rick in Charleston on the line. Go uh, ahead, Rick. Yeah, you, baby. Yes. Appreciate all of you guys this morning. Uh, can you update us on probably what's going come down the pike here in terms of uh, uh, the scandalous stuff in the college basketball, FBI stuff? I mean, is this pretty well over? Or we got another half to go? Or are we out there in wonderland? I mean, I, th- I find it telling that the, it, it was there a person that was hit harder by the FBI stuff than Will Wade, LSU's coach. And, and he's coaching. And he's coaching. And now the athletic director is out. Like, I think I, it, there are two thoughts on the FBI situation. One, uh, I always think of Mark Fox, who was the coach of Georgia, uh, Georgia basketball before Tom Crean. And when the scandal, the FBI scandal hit, he said, thankfully, finally, we're getting the rot out of college basketball and we're getting rid of all of this stuff. But on the one hand, really, you know, really. <laughs> and secondly, it was a weird thing for him to say, because, again, I think I've talked to you guys about this before. But like Mark Fox had a George has a huge contract with Nike and Mark Fox got a ton of money from Nike to sell to have his players advertise their shoes. So it was very weird for him to say, well, because th- the scandal is basically shoe companies skipping the coaches in the universities and giving money to money to players. So it's a very weird thing to say, well, finally, we need to get this rot as to say players getting money from shoe companies rather than me getting money from shoe companies out of college basketball. So on one hand, I'm skeptical of the idea that this, nevertheless, it is certainly, there's, college basketball is rotten. <laughs> like there is like a lot of ugly stuff going on. And the, I, but I think the fact that someone like Will Wade is not, I mean, he was as caught dead to rights as you can possibly be caught. And and he was, and he's fine. <laughs> he's fine because LSU was good o- this year. Is that over? I mean, he's back now. Is, is it, I mean, he seems to have survived that situation. Is this a contractual reason? Is, did they feel like they, that they were going to have to pay him off? I mean, it's. The, I think it's partly contractual. I think it's partly LSU 
made the Sweet 16 this year and has a really good team and he's turned the program around. I mean, honestly, I, not to go back to what Bill was talking about earlier, but Bruce Pearl is still a threat. Bruce Pearl was coached in the Final Four this year. The idea that Bruce Pearl survived last season as coach of Auburn, not this season, recent season, but the season before, where he had players that players that were openly cut up his guess. Well, he's he got two coaches that, that have been... Yeah, and he played players that he knew were eventually going to be called ineligible and could cost them, actually, uh, games. But, like, it, it was... I always joked that he, he was coaching last year like it was the end of Thelma and Louise. It was like, no matter what happened, I'll just floor it. The like, end of eventually, the... eventually, eventually, there's going to be a cliff, land. but I'm going to go fast until it gets there and what's funny is the the reaction to the scandals have actually been like you know what just win just win and you will be okay and I have to say if I were a coach in college basketball I would probably not be if I wanted to keep my job and I wanted to be successful in my chosen field I would love to say uh, I would I would stand take a line in the stand and stand against all this but that's a uh, Mark Fox doesn't have a job but uh, Will Wade does yeah. anything else Rick oh is the Arizona thing I'll blow it over yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm not. I actually have not. That's, that is a good question. He was another guy I thought was in serious trouble. And 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 remember, what was the thing he said in his last game? Like his last game at Arizona, he seemed to be saying goodbye to the fans in a way that it looked like. But nope, <laughs> like he's still there. I mean, Illinois plays there this One year. One of his assistant yeah. coaches is not yeah, there, yeah, but he's yeah, there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's always the assistant coaches. Remember the head coaches. They didn't, they didn't know. They didn't know anything. <laughs> but uh, the assistant coaches, those darn rogue. It is what is more rogue than an assistant coach in college sports? Hey, Rick, thanks for the call. We sure appreciate it. Hey. Let's move along hey. to John calling from somewhere in the state of Tennessee. Go ahead, John. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Enjoying your show, and uh, certainly enjoying what uh, you've been talking about SEC basketball in <laughs> general, and Auburn uh, basketball in particular. As I know, everybody knows. Coach Pearl at one time coached at Tennessee, a big fan. And this year, I think, was a breakout year for college basketball for the SEC. Always excitability in the Big Ten is year in, year out. But what Coach Pearl did, I think, was uh, remarkable. And it's unfortunate that the season ended for the Auburn Tigers on a questionable call, just like it was unfortunate that the season ended the way it did in the, in the uh, NCAA for the Tennessee Volunteers, water under the bridge. But... I've had the honor of meeting Coach Pearl before, and as you know, he's probably uh, going to be renegotiating his contract soon because he's the lowest-paid basketball coach in the SEC, and I think between now and June that will all change. I'm glad the honor was uh, – you had the honor, I suppose. I don't think it would be the word I would use. Uh, but uh, I will say I will agree with you about uh, SEC basketball. That has – it's funny. I think that's something that Tom Crean had learned a lot this year. He had a very difficult year for Georgia this year. Why? Why has uh, – are, are more um – more athletes playing basketball than football in the South now? I or? think it's. I think the programs have. Uh, I think it was about three or four years ago when the commissioner of the SEC said, "Okay, the, we've got all this money. The, the SEC network had just launched. All this money that came in. We need to start reinvesting some some money in, in in basketball." And you're seeing, like, look at the coaches in that league for Crown. Look at Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson was one of the most hotly wanted coaches in all of college basketball when he got and Alabama got him and paid him all this money and he's already gone he's already been running the league Crean I mean I think Tom Crean thought he was going to come into Georgia this year with a team that was not quite exactly what he wanted but he could he could at least be middling in the SEC and they were next to last place they they really got they really had a lot of trouble in the SEC this year and he had to completely start over and he kind of admitted at the year the league is tougher than I thought it was I think Crean was kind of used to Big Ten basketball anything else John 
Yeah, as an Urbana native, I kind of like to get a preview of what the Fighting Illini are going to do. I'll hang up and listen, and thank you very much for your show. All right, we appreciate your call. We'll do that preview. We'll, we'll talk a little football and basketball. You can take a break right now. We'll do it here in a couple of minutes. Stay with us. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Will Leach is with us as well. The phone line is open, 356-9397. Back after this. Ten twenty-two, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open if you want to jump in. Will Leach is here with us. We've covered a lot of topics with Will, and if you have any on your mind, give us a call. Again, 356-9397. We've talked about the Masters. We've talked about college basketball a little bit. Uh, let's uh, localize that a little bit uh, to Illinois basketball. Iowa DeSumo, I'm mm-hmm. sure you heard that news uh, a couple of days ago, says he has unfinished business. That's a... Uh, uh, that's good news for Illini fans, and uh, people feel real good about that. And th- the way things are looking now, the basketball roster is intact. That's not to say somebody might right. change between now and then, but quite different than it was this time last year. Well, yeah, and it feels it. It's funny. It, w- it would have surprised me more if we would have seen the turnover that we saw last year, this year, than it did last year. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. I was I was not shocked when you saw a lot of the changes that happened this year, and I was. I would have been really surprised if you'd have seen. Uh, Io, I think, could have gone either way. Frankly, going back to Georgia basketball, uh, Nicholas Claxton, who, like Io DeSumo, was someone that was thinking about going pro but was not listed on a lot of first-round draft boards. He announced yesterday that he's, he's exploring. Like he is, he is doing it in a way that Io – I think what was the most impressive about Io doing that is I think his draft stock is not quite there yet, and I think his other year could help him. But he still could have sniffed it out, and it wouldn't have hurt him one bit. I think for him to come back this early and actively say, I'm coming back here to make this happen, I don't. I think that's kind of been almost underappreciated a little bit by, by, by Illinois fans, that that's, that's a very rare thing to do that, to not just say, I'm not going to explore. Because there's no, there's no harm in exploring this. Right. There's no harm in checking out, to not just not do it, but say, this is specifically why I'm not doing it. There are people who are ranked lower on potential NBA draft boards this year than IO that are are checking it out what's so. your what's your reaction to the idea that i can sign with a guy now i can sign with an agent and go through the process and then at the at the end come back i think i mean i i don't i don't see a problem with it i think anything that gives players more autonomy and more ability to get information uh, I don't see a problem with it. Uh, I, and, and listen, these things, if that agent all of a sudden gives, starts giving him cards, there's going to be a problem. Like, it's, like there is a, there's, a, there's a protocol for how it even works with the agents. But yeah, I think, I think any, I think back about some of the darker ages, you know, 20 years ago when players didn't, couldn't get the information they did now. They just had to guess now and there was no coming back. I think it's good for players to be able to check it out and then, and then be able to come back. I think Steve made a point, though, that probably he's checked out. He, his parents and he have checked out to, to determine his status yeah, so yeah. that he knows basically where he stands, at least with some of the uh, Yeah, and I, I, think, I think right now the general consensus he would be a second-round pick, uh, which uh, would be not a non-guaranteed contract, but not nothing. Like, that's... That but you people, might wind up in the G League. You might end up in the G League, or you might end up not in the G League. Sometimes it's even worse. Like the G mm-hmm. League is even a good route for some players now. That it might not work out that way. I think about I talk about the Georgia player. He is lower ranked than Io on all boards, but he's trying it out. And he and, and I think that's the thing is 
I think I.O., if you look at some of the 2020 boards, because those are out, of course, already. I'm assuming there's a 2027 board <laughs> with like one of the kids in the Little League that I coach uh, that's on that board. But, uh, but there's a 2020 board that actually I think has I.O. 8th or 9th uh, on the mock draft. Next year, yeah. yeah, right. So I think that, like, I clearly, and we've seen it, right? We've seen this with players. We've seen people. Uh, we saw that with with the player for Virginia that's really helped his ranking uh, a lot in one year. You can see that happen. But I just think to not explore it, and to not only not explore it, but to come out and say, "I'm doing this because it is Illinois needs to get in the tournament, and that's why I'm here to do." Says not only not only something about Io, it says something about what he's trying to do for Illinois. It says something about his feelings about Brad Underwood. It says something about Chicago. Like, I think there's there's a lot of really good things, I think, came out of saying that. I think we should not just be like, whew, I was coming back. I think it's more than that. I think it's actually a really cool thing that he did. We've talked about this before, the, the transfer situation now in, in college sports and how many people are in the portal in football, and there's certainly more in basketball. What's the answer to all this? Is there one? I mean, it's almost like free agency. Yeah. Uh, it's funny how the word portal has become yeah. like just part of our regular conversation now. Overnight. Yeah. I have to say, I think this is well, – I think there's two ways to look at it. One, is it good for college basketball on the whole? And two, is it good for the players? Uh, I think it's not only good for the players. I think it's long overdue. Uh, I know it annoys coaches. I know the, 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 the portal and the transfer and the free agency annoys coaches. But, you know, it also annoys players when coaches say, hey, come play for me for four years, and then they leave after one year because they can do that and players can't. So I will confess my level of sympathy for coaches on this tends to be a little low because coaches can move and players can't. One thing you need to remember about the portal, if you sign, in, if you sign up for the portal and you're in there, you can't. The coach can then drop you from the school that yeah. you were. You, there's a you, risk you, involved. There's right. a risk involved. Although probably you can come back, right, right, right. and most would accept you. But in some cases, they might not. Yeah, I mean, we, frankly, you saw this a little bit with Luke Ford at Georgia at the end of last year when he went, when he put his name in the portal. He actually still came back for the bowl game and played a little. I think he had a couple of plays in the bowl game, even though he was in the portal. I think Fields really? was the same way yeah, at so, that time. Yeah, oh, so I didn't realize so that. like there was a little bit of there was some confusion. Whatever the bowl game was a big mess for Georgia this year, anyway. But I think that like I I think particularly those bigger programs like their your Georgia Alabamas like those they they really they uh, they have had to come to terms with the transfer portal in a way that I think is uh, poten- they hate it like they hate it they hate it so much but they also can't like for recruiting they can't say oh if you get in the portal we're gonna hate you like you have to give everybody those kind of options it's a weird kind of balance thing can you imagine what it's like for the recruiters at the University of Illinois the recruiting staff to realize that there are 1,900 people in the football portal. <laughs> you got to check them out. Yeah, you yeah. got to find out, you know, is there somebody there we could use? And there's 700 and some already in the basketball portal. But, you know, to me, this is, uh, on one hand, it is new and different. On the other hand, it actually emphasizes how important it is, the initial relationship that you have with the player in the first place like you don't not there's not a lot of really happy players who love the situation that they're in and are glad with the commitment that they've made in the transfer portal <laughs> like if you go to the transfer they're all portal, trying to find their levels so yeah and, and that's the thing like <laughs> like if you have a good relationship with your coach and you feel like everything has been well communicated about what your career there is going to be you tend to not want to transfer i think a lot i think the transfer portal is a natural reaction to what a lot of coaches have been doing for a long time which is hey what just recruit just recruit and get as many people as you can and get the best talent you can if you double up here that's okay we'll figure it out now players are being like well yeah if you're going to do that i'm going to 
Like I, I, I have some autonomy too. I get to, I get to, I get to be able to make some decisions as well. So I think it's good. I, I understand it, but as a fan, I understand how it can be frustrating uh, to to have players just come in for one year. You try to make a commitment for someone for four years. My, I always joke that like I came to college here when Kiwan Garris. Uh, came here. He was a freshman when I was a freshman, and so to me, Kiwan Garris, I feel like I went to like he was like my friend in college. Like <laughs> four I, years. I, yeah, like he was he was four years there the whole time, and I feel like I shared that college experience with him, and that kind of experience is that's rarer uh, anymore. That said, like you know. How many years was Kenny Battle here? Two years? Mm-hmm. I mean, like well, it, three actually. Th- yeah, but I he guess played the, two. he played two, right? So, like this, it's not like Kenny Battle is as as legendary a name in Illinois basketball as you ever find. And he was only here two years. So I, I don't. Uh, Darren Williams was here three years. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not something that like only four year guys. Harper can, was yeah, two years. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. We're talking to Will Leach. We haven't spoken since the Illinois internal investigation mm. of. Uh, Brad Underwood's uh, coaching mm-hmm. uh, demeanor. You have any thoughts on that? I think that uh, I do think that Illinois was fortunate in that there it was all anonymous. I think that the that when someone, as we saw with the football situation, when someone pub- puts their public face to something, it changes the story. It changes the story, and and so because it doesn't. I'm not saying that like anonymous sources don't count or don't matter but like literally like this story has come out and no one th- th- there could have easily been a reaction to Illinois public Illinois coming out with this and saying sorry go ahead Lauren well the two um, members of th- that brought this to mm-hmm. bear knew who it was yeah but it didn't get to the public I mean J- Josh Whitman knows who of it course was. but that player has not come right, out and said right. look this is what happened right this well is what we happened. don't know it was a player it could have been somebody right, associated right. with the player right right the point is, is like there's no, there is no actual saying. Here's what happened, and here's what I'm angry about. It's all anonymous. It's all in this report. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that I think that's the difference. Like that, that's the difference between what and football. And I, I don't know because I don't know the circumstances. It doesn't seem like I don't know if the actual behavior is different or whether it's not. It's not different. We just don't have. It was. It was very easy, and I think I think uh, Whitman did an excellent job of getting ahead of the story and making sure. And and because I think you learn from mistakes in the past. That said there's still a lot about the story I don't know <laughs> like, there's still a lot and maybe we won't know and until and maybe that's okay but maybe there wasn't anything there but well, well fans will quickly say that you know because all the players on the team currently have said you know we don't have a problem they all support but this is not what it's about this is about the four guys basically yeah. it's about the four guys who transferred a year previously right. and how they felt they were treated and, and there were some rough moments for them obviously or they wouldn't have left yeah. I mean, yeah, we understand right. that and uh, and the Smith situation was uh, made more public by the fact that he transferred and got immediate eligibility by claiming something yeah. uh, in his uh, petition uh, when he went to Missouri and and was approved by Illinois and and Missouri and and everybody was happy for him and let him go, but uh, there was something happened there or, or else he wouldn't have you know he wouldn't have been uh, he wouldn't have gained immediate eligibility. Uh, you know I think that frankly. I know we talked about this earlier, but these things will get resolved by success. To be honest, oh yeah, like like or they won't. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the thing, right? Is is the question about? There's a lot of people that look at. Uh, I know Underwood has talked about how I said he talked to Whitman and he'll take. Uh, he says he'll take. I don't know his exact quote. Maybe he'll take his foot off the gas as much. I will believe that when I see it. Uh, but I will say this: uh, There's a lot of people that would look at the Underwood situation and say that's not how you deal with players anymore. You should. You're uh, kids today. You're supposed to call them. You're not supposed to be hard like that. And some players react to it this way. You saw this with Tom Izzo in the NCAA tournament as well. Some people react this way, and some people won't react react well. It, if it works, if the players react to it and you win, 
everyone will love that you did it. If uh, if they react that way and you don't win, they'll all think you did something wrong. And that's mm-hmm. just all there is to it. 10.33, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly, Will Leach. We'll keep uh, Will another segment or so here if you have any questions. 356-9397. Sun shining out on a Saturday morning. Makes me wonder, have you thought about replacing your windows and doors at your home? Well, the... Uh, job is only as good as the products and the installation. I've got a suggestion for you. How about a trip to the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Mike Mary is the man to see there. He's got a staff that's been around a long time serving customers in this area for well over 40 years. They do things the right way. There are a lot of things to consider when replacing windows and doors, things like security, comfort, convenience. The Pella Window Store has All kinds of samples on the showroom floor in several styles and price ranges. Entry doors, sliding patio doors, hinge doors, storm doors, all kinds of windows as well. If you don't see them on display there, ask to check out the website. They've got more on there. The Pella Window Store, North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Or you can check them out on their website at PellaOfChampagne.com. As for Mike Mary or Quentin Troy or Pete Peters, Dave Rollins, Luke Mary, all the guys at Illini Pella, the Pella Window Store. Back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 1037, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Will Leach has joined us. Lives in Athens, Georgia now. I got a question that uh, with you writing for so many different mm. publications. How does your day or week start? Let's, let's say you're, you're visiting up here, you're going back. So Monday morning comes around. Yeah. How, how do you decide who you're going to write for, what you're going to do, who's your boss, how many bosses do you have? <laughs> I don't think of them as bosses. Oh, I think go. of them as collaborators. Coffee editors, editors <laughs> or uh, yeah. uh, assignment editors. All, all writers think of uh, editors as editors rather than bosses, sure. even though they are absolutely in charge. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, yeah, I write for, I write regu- all week. I'm very fortunate uh, in that I have, I write for a lot of places, but I have clear relationships with every place. Like I'm not like blind pitching people to write stories. I have my editors at MLB, I have my editors at New York Magazine, I have my uh, editors at Sports Illustrated, and I just say, here's what I was thinking about writing about this week, and then we just kind of keep in a conversation. But like, they know I'm writing something for them, so I have that advantage that I don't have to, I don't have to, there's not a week where I'm not gonna have at least six or seven things that I'm writing because I just have regular stuff going on. So then it's a matter of what we're gonna write about, what, what events I have coming up. I was, I was in Minneapolis, so that was a logical thing. To, to, to write about uh, and I've uh, it's funny I've uh, I write about entertainment and I write about politics as well and actually I'm going to be covering the 2020 election so uh, I covered the 2016 election and after that I thought wow that's enough election coverage for me uh, but I'm going to give it one more shot I think 30 seconds on the Mueller report oh 30 seconds yeah well, isn't, isn't, I don't want you to get your, I don't isn't 30 seconds on the Mueller report exactly why everyone's so confused by it uh, I think uh, I, I would say there's a great piece in, uh, uh, in Politico magazine that came out this morning that basically has a bunch of legal experts who explaining to people like me who don't understand everything in it here's what this means here's why it's important constitutional experts they're them looking into that for me i think so much of the distraction has come from uh people telling us what's in the report what's not the report framing the report this way or framing the report that way i i think there's a lot of value in people 
that like I'll put it this way I have talked to so many people at the Mueller report I've yet to meet one person myself included who has in fact read it so I think that like <laughs> I think that, that that is telling in particular it was very strange to see the number of like quick reaction on CNN to the Mueller report that we just found out was released 15 seconds ago give us your reaction it's like mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is that's kind of what uh, uh, I think that's one of the sad things about news now a little bit sometimes is uh, I feel like uh, there's a lot more vamping until we have information. I just want to know what high crimes and misdemeanors mean. That's all. I, I, I need a definition on definition? that. Definition? Uh, <laughs> what's, what's the old definition about art? Uh, I don't know. I can't give it a definition, <laughs> but I know it when I see it. Right. <laughs> so give us a little scoop. Tell us what you might be working on next week. So uh, I'm working on a uh, larger piece about uh, heading up the NBA draft, uh, about generally speaking – the uh, focus on the New York Knicks for New York Magazine about the machinations of what the Knicks are doing. Uh, their entire, basically the New York Knicks have one of the jewel franchises in all of sports. I know they've been terrible for a long time, but they're still the most valuable NBA franchise. I think the Lakers and then the Knicks. And they are this massive billion dollar franchise. And they have basically putting everything on like a two week stretch like the NBA draft lottery and whether or not Kevin mm-hmm. Kevin Durant has decided he wants to play for them. And it's kind of an it's hard to think of any business in the world like that where a multi-billion dollar company says, "Okay, we're going to put put our entire business strategy on what a 26-year-old decides to do and some ping pong balls." Yeah. <laughs> it's a really they com- don't get Zion, but, you know, what <laughs> It's kind of a wild and so I find that and that, but and they're very open about like, "Yep, the Nick, if Durant comes, I mean, they trade away Chris Esporzingas. They've they've built, they've got all this space. The whole plan is to get Kevin Durant to come and to get the number one pick in the draft. And if neither one of those things happens, this, I mean, they're worse off than they were before. So that is a fascinating kind of thing to talk to people inside the Knicks, to talk to longtime Knicks fans. I did a, a long interview with Spike Lee a couple of years ago about about the Knicks. He's of course famously a diehard mm-hmm. a diehard Knicks fan, and. And he said, he, it's funny, he told me the loudest Madison Square Garden has ever been was that he's been there was not in the Patrick Ewing Knicks, not, not with their, with the Larry Johnson uh, shot. He said it was Jeremy Lin. He said Jeremy Lin, the Lin Sanity thing, was the loudest the Garden ever been. And his point was the Garden is just like, Knicks fans are like every other fans in the world. They want homegrown stuff. They want their guys. Like, Jeremy Lin came out of nowhere, but he was theirs. And so Durant, if he comes to New York, is instantly going to be like, oh, awesome, you're here. Win us a championship now, outsider. And I think that And I think that what his argument was is the Knicks are always better off, just like all teams are all better off, building with from within and letting fans get to know guys. And that's the opposite of the strategy of what they're doing. So I'm very curious to see if that works. You're gonna. We're not gonna let him get out here without uh, discussing the Cardinals. Over <laughs> oh heck no! <laughs> that was a. Uh, uh, I will say I'm writing a piece for. I'm one thing I'm writing this week is I'm writing by Adam Wainwright uh, uh, this week. Right quick. He's been all right, right? He's been yeah. all right until last night. And then he watched uh-huh. last night, and it just it was like, how is this guy getting any? Like he was lucky he didn't give up ten runs last night. And well, when Martinez comes back and Reyes yeah. is now being yeah. tested for starting. What does that mean for Wainwright? I mean, like, uh, to be honest, at this point, the way the Gantt's pitching, I don't know how much longer you can even let Wainwright do it. Like, the way Wainwright looked last night, he, like, I love Adam Wainwright. Wainwright's my favorite pitchers of all time. He did not look like someone that has any business pitching in the Major League Baseball game last well, night. Well, that's last night. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't mean because, like, I don't mean because he's, like, a bad, like, he obviously knows how to pitch. But the stuff, I mean, he was throwing 84-mile-an-hour cutters. That might have worked in, like, 1985. But, I mean, you go, I mean, it was telling. They brought in uh, uh, Guy 
Gallegos, the guy they got from the fam trade mm-hmm. right after him. And he is is not considered like some incredible prospect. There's mm-hmm. hope maybe someday he might be good, but he's not considered. He a lot better, And you he? come in and he's throwing 10 miles an hour on, faster on every pitch. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's that's what kills you about watching Wainwright. Like, he's clearly a smart pitcher. The curveball is clearly still there. But in baseball in 2019 – you cannot get away with not throwing 93, 94 miles an hour minimum. It's just the way baseball works now. I, I think there's an argument to be said that's not good for baseball. Like there's less balls in play. There's more strikeouts, more walks, all homers. But that is how baseball is played now. And so to watch him valiantly do his best to just like trick guys, is it was hard to watch. How many strikeouts were in that baseball game at Illinois last night, Steve? Do you remember 15 and 12? That comes to 27. There were, yeah. there were twi- That's half. 27 <laughs> outs. Yeah. That's half. Of course, it did go 10 innings, yeah, so okay. it wasn't it's quite that. But yeah. nevertheless, I mean, it, it's the same thing. And, yeah. and the other thing is the games last so long because yeah. the pitchers don't want to throw it over because if they throw it over, it's a home run. That was another thing and, with the Wainwright. They're, yeah. they're always nibbling on yeah. the corners and walking people, and it just takes forever. That's why it, was, it wasn't fun to – like, I, Wainwright, again, one of my favorite players. It was not fun to watch him last night because of those first four innings took – almost two hours because he's had to pick and pick and foul and and it's just and listen I think baseball has I I do think baseball sometimes overreacts to the game to the short attention spans and I still feel like you need to make sure that people that like that putting a runner on second base to make the games go faster like some of their ideas don't do that some of their ideas seem a little cockamamie but I will say that like uh, um, that is when 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 a game is ta- like that was I love baseball and I, I was home with watching the game with my parents and we were so excited to watch the Cardinals game and by the fourth inning we're like Ugh, I think I'm ready to go to bed and so and I, I think that that is uh, that that's something they're gonna have to resolve but uh, but again that games go quicker when they're throwing 95 um, and uh, not when they're throwing 84 miles can you stay a few more minutes uh, as long as you'll have me yeah. we'll take a break and be back with our final 15 minutes or so of this particular show on IPELA Saturday Sports Talk back after this. Ten forty-eight on Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk. A few more minutes of open line. If you'd like to join us, three five six nine three nine seven. It's been a special treat to have Will Leach with us. A little extended time, but we thought if you uh, took the opportunity or took the uh, time to drive up here from Mattoon, we're going to keep you around a while. Um, it was my pleasure. Please, uh, you guys. Uh, you got you guys have plenty of beer for me in there. It's really, it's really been fantastic. <laughs> you do some uh, TV stuff too, don't you? Yeah, I host a show for Sports Illustrated. Uh, you go to SITV or Amazon Prime and just type in the Will Leach Show, and I have a weekly show. We had uh, we had uh, we had uh, Reed. If you watch the show Veep, uh, Dan Egan, mm-hmm. the character Dan Egan, we had him on. Uh, we had a very fun with this. We had Sean Astin uh, from Rudy and uh, from Sam Samwise Gamgee from uh, Lord of the Rings and uh, Mike from Goonies. Depending on your age, may depend on which which way you know him uh, from. But it's fun. It's fun to get like uh, uh, people from outside sports to get them and the, them and kind of talking about sports a little bit. Where is that show? We tape produced? that. We tape that in New York. Oh, I, yeah. I, I fly out to New York every two weeks, and uh, I lived in New York for 13 years. New York is really charming when you when you move and then come back and visit it in a way that's not charming when you live there. <laughs> like when you're like when you live there and you're on the subway, you're like, oh man, that man is excreting in the corner of the train. <laughs> I live in the worst place in the world. And then when you visit, you sit, you're like, oh look at New York, look at you. <laughs> so uh, so it's it's fun to visit. It's fun to visit uh, New York uh, to do the show, and I'm very lucky to do it. Sports Illustrated is. Uh, 
you know, they, they, they've kind of focused a lot more on video in the last couple of years, but they're still doing a lot of, like the magazine is still a great read. They had a great story by John Wertheim in the last issue. Uh, it's still a pretty cool place to get to, to get to be involved with. Uh, but yeah, I go out there and, uh, and tape a show. It's, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, my, I'm a writer. That's, that's what I do. And that's, that's always the goal. But, uh, I, as you, anyone listening now knows, I tend to talk a little fast sometimes. So <laughs> I, I, I'm not talking fast. It's just the rest of you are listening too slowly. Um, but, uh, the fun thing about doing a show like that is, you know, I get to write it. I still get to write my own show. It's a good, it's a good skill to have. But you know, I, I'm still out there just uh, just writing all the time. And you also do a podcast with one of our contributing mm-hmm. friends, yeah. Bernie Miklas. Every Monday morning, uh, uh, every Monday afternoon, Seeing Red, I do a podcast with Bernie. I've been trying to talk him into doing a podcast for a long time. Uh, Ber- uh, it is an honor, uh, much like it's an honor to sit next to Lauren Tate, no. an honor to to talk to someone that I grew up reading, like that I grew up and uh, have read uh, so much so much stuff uh, with. And to, to talk to Bernie, uh, uh, I, I remember I, I had a book come out a few years ago, and I did a reading in St. Louis, and uh, and Bernie was at the event, and he like hosted it, hosted it with me up there and I was on the pregame show with uh, with with the cat uh, Hayes uh, with Jim Hayes on, on the pregame okay. show for the Cardinals game and he says uh, where's your reading and I said oh, it's over here but don't worry people are only going to come because Bernie's there and <laughs> Bernie is like he is St. Louis and uh, he is St. Louis incarnate so to get to talk about the Cardinals with him once a week is uh, a pretty cool thing is there still a dream job out there for Will Leach I think this is probably it right I get to I get to <laughs> I mean, honestly I, I get to write about not just do I, I get to write all the time, but I get to write about stuff that I care about. Like I get to talk to Bernie Miklas about the Cardinals every week. I get to f- I get to come home and write about the Illini and see him beat Michigan State, and I you know I get to uh, write about movies and I get to go uh, uh, cover politics. Like for me, you know, when I went here, all I wanted to do. Uh, I grew up. Roger Ebert was my hero growing up uh, in Mattoon, and, uh, and and one of the things I loved about him is he could write intelligently and passionately about anything, and uh, and that so that was the goal. I didn't need to. I don't want to be a world dominator. I never. I've been offered editor jobs or or executive jobs, and I don't want anything to do with that. I, I want to make stuff, and uh, and if I as long as I get to make stuff. Uh, I'm pretty happy. I just finished. A, I just finished a novel, which is a scary thing. What uh, was it about? I'm a, I, it's, a, I, I'm, it's, not, it's on. It's on sale. It's out to bidders right now. So we're <laughs> okay. keeping it quite a state okay. secret. Okay. It, but uh, it's a novel. It, it, uh, it takes place in both Athens, actually, and Athens and in Champagne. Okay. So, uh, so, but that, that's a fun thing to do, and just to be able to have the freedom to be able to just. Yeah, I'll try a novel and see what that what happens. That was always the goal. I I don't, I, I don't want to take over the world. I just want to make my, my little. Well, stories. you're looking at the Illini from afar now. Are they ever going to climb out of this hole, football and basketball-wise? Do you see that happening? I think that, like, I think it's a matter of uh, reestablishing where the hole is, if that makes sense. Like, right now, there's such dread about the program because it's it's gone for so long and it's been one wrong decision after the other. This is why I'm very much – I know that people get impatient, and I understand that people get impatient. But I think this is why – what I like that what Whitman has done is we'll see. Maybe Lovey was the right pick and maybe Underwood was the right pick and maybe they weren't. But the one thing that has not happened has been a full – like true, like okay, do it. Like do it your way. Let's get to the uh, the very, what you want is. I talked about this with Georgia. Ra, uh, Mark Fox took a bad Georgia basketball program and brought it to an average 
basketball program. Now that was not enough to keep for him to keep his job, but the next coach then can build off of that. I think that's what you're hoping out of even Lovey. Like I think Underwood's ceiling, I think basketball is always going to have a little higher ceiling than football here. But there's no reason that Illinois football should not be a bowl team every year. Like there's just there's no reason that I, that Wisconsin should be doing that and Illinois isn't. But to get there, you have to commit to okay let's and clearly listen i know last year was frustrating that i will have nightmares of that iowa game uh uh forever but like there was improvement I'm, i just there was like it wasn't what was maybe it wasn't much improvement as we wanted but it was better than the year before which was better from the year before now would we like it to go faster yeah i think we would like it to go faster but as long as i'm seeing improvement each year i feel like that's what illinois needs then you can from that you can build if you'd have brought in Bill Self, say, let's say you let's say you brought in Bill Self after John Gross. That's a huge thing that he's gonna have to lift. The advantage that Bill Self had is he was coming after Lon Kruger that was already established there. And I think that's the advantage that's that's what you want. I don't know if Lovey Smith or Brad Underwood is the one that gets Illinois to the final four or the national cha- or, or or a Big Ten championship. Maybe they are, but I do think at the very least they can get them to where the next coach can get. Well them. Bill Self had a particular knack in recruiting. When he left Illinois to go to Kansas, he killed Illinois with players from Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Just and, and and that's why when it came up today that he visited Hollyfield yesterday, what do you think? Yeah. It's the first thing you think is, oh my gosh! I mean, <laughs> are we going to get Hollyfield or is self going to have him before he even he won't even he have a visit? Chance, you right, know, right. before he even have a visit. So, I mean, I I think that. I, I read with interest a story about UCLA and St. John, mm-hmm. written by um, the, the lady from out east. Um, such a good, great writer, and I can't think. Nicole of Arbach or, uh, no, no, or no, uh, Dana O'Neill. O'Neill. Okay. Yeah. Dana. Yeah. And she talked about what the problems that had developed at St. John's, mm-hmm. which now just had, had got Anderson uh, from former mm-hmm. Missouri coach, by the way, who's now going to St. John's. They've had a series of, of bad decisions since Carnesecca. And you go back to UCLA, which has had some questionable decisions since <laughs> for the last 30 years. So, obviously, the coaching situation can change uh, a, a great school. Because UCLA was once a great basketball program. Now, they're having a problem finding a, finding a coach for a variety of reasons. But anyway, I think Illinois fits in that same category. Well, too, and, and also, frankly, you hear this from talking to other coaches, I, I think that Illinois basketball fans, have I, that they have high expectations, is a good thing. I think that is a good thing for the program long term. A lot of times coaches are like, do I want to, like, Illinois is a great program. Is it the program that the fans think it is? And maybe they don't want that challenge or they don't want to, they think I can go in there, I'll make one tournament, then they'll want me to make two, and then I'll have to make them every year, and then i got to make the final four, and I don't have the resources I would have at Duke or Kansas or so on. We'll see. I think, I think the coach that brings Illinois basketball in particular back to where it is, they'll There'll be a bronze statue of him. Mm-hmm. At the risk of running past 11 o'clock, which we're not opposed to doing, we're going to take a call here real quick. Jake and Champagne, you're on the air. Go ahead. Jake, are you with us? Yes. Go ahead. I don't know I'm going to be anything next year in basketball. Uh, we're trying to answer that. I hope so. I hope so. I think that. I think that's the that's the plan, right? I think uh, the, you you see the bones of it, right? Like I think that getting IO back, and we'll see what Cockburn is. We'll see. We'll see. I, this doesn't look like Jan- I don't think January's coming. I think I think the January's not coming. Yeah, and but uh, I think certainly uh, you see what what Kofi is. You can find that wing person. 
and get Georgie a shot, this is a – I think there's no no question. Like, there are people – like, I don't know if you saw, but Seth Davis had Illinois, I think, 34 uh, next year in his rankings. Uh, Any rankings now before that uh, – before Whatever. The, we like, don't even know who's going to come yeah, back but, and who's going to be in the portal. When's the last time anybody had Illinois in the top 40 going into a <laughs> well, season, right? It's been a while. Yeah. So, I think – I agree. Like, I'm not taking that as, like, scientific evidence – but it's a sign of something moving forward that we've not seen in a while. And uh, as someone that does not always need that positive of a sign to get really optimistic, I just, I want it, I'm like Illinois fans, like I want it so, like this is, Illinois basketball has provided me as much joy, other than the 2011 World Series, Illinois basketball has provided me as much joy as anything in my sports life. I, and, and you see, I remember being at Madison Square Garden when Illinois played in that tournament against Texas, Maryland, and I believe Kansas about uh, seven, eight years ago. And Illinois had more fans there than anyone. This, yep. they, they're, it's, it's, it, people are waiting for it to happen. So I think any sort of, I, I know people are impatient, but uh, when it happens, it will be glorious. That's Will Leach. One final question. Is there a place people can go, mm-hmm. a website people can go mm-hmm. to and kind of catch everything that you're doing? Yes. Uh, I have a weekly newsletter that is free. Okay. Uh, it's at tinyletter.com slash William F. Leach, L-E-I-T-C-H. Uh, you can just subscribe to it, to it or there's all archives. It's actually it's a weekly newsletter. I write an uh, original essay, actually, about the uh, – I wrote about prom this week, actually. <laughs> and um, I have a weekly essay where uh, it has links to everything that I, that I wrote about through the week and all the podcasts and everything. So it's tinyletter.com slash William F. Leach. I'm on Twitter, but I'm not, I'm not that good at Twitter. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter kind of uh, uh, eats up my soul a little bit. So I like, it, my, it, I like it, my weekly newsletter. You need more room on Twitter. Oh, I need, I need more room on <laughs> – <laughs> the internet cannot contain me. Twitter certainly can. Well, we appreciate you taking time to come in with us. Of course, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to do it. Will Leach, Lauren, we'll talk to you again soon. Baseball, softball in town this afternoon if you're out and about. This is Steve Kelly, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Thanks for listening to Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk.